Hello everyone, welcome to the Community Is Our Middle Name podcast brought to you by Grampians Community Health for you, your family and our community. My name is Gareth Oliver, thank you for joining me for another episode of our podcast. This week I'm speaking with Simone O'Brien and this is one hell of a story. Simone is an advocate for uh, family violence and for people who are survivors of family violence also works with the Red Rose Foundation, hairdressers with hearts, uh, works with a few different AFL clubs and as the uh, Brisbane Broncos and the NRL also. Simone's story is incredible. Simone basically was beaten within an inch of her life, and I say that without hyperbole. As you'll hear in this story, which Simone can tell better than I could, Simone is a victim of domestic violence. She was beaten by a perpetrator with a baseball bat uh, up to 50 times in the head. She had a 3% chance of survival and Simone pulled through and survived and is able to tell her story today. It's an incredible story. I hope you enjoy it. You'll hear Simone tell it in her own words. And you'll also pick up on just how positive Simone is with her outlook on life nowadays and how she's found the silver lining to that horrendously dark cloud that she suffered all those years ago. You'll also get a bit of a cameo from her Moodle, Louie, and I didn't know what a Moodle was. Apparently, it's a Maltese crossed with a poodle. So um, thank you, Simone, and thank you, Louie, of course, for coming on and having a chat on this week's episode of the Community Is A Middle Name podcast, proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health, for you, your family, and most importantly of all, for our community. I'm here this week with Simone O'Brien. Simone, thank you so much for giving up some time to come on the Community Is Our Name podcast and have a chat with me. No, thank you for inviting me. Yes, I'm really looking forward to it. Now, Simone, you're a a Grampians Wimmera local, I hear. I am, yes. No, I was um, actually born and bred in Dibula and uh, relocated, went up to Brisbane due to work commitments when I had my first child and I'm back now in Horsham. Enjoying being back in the, the, the beautiful uh, Grampians Wimmera. Yeah, it's a lovely part of the world, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, what? one thing I love with, um, you know, bringing your children up in the country is they say, oh, mummy, you know, he spoke to us. Are we allowed to speak to them? Like in the country, everyone says hello to you if you're walking past somewhere. And in the city, you can walk past 400 people and no one will say hello. It's that sense yeah. of community. It's beautiful. It's one of the things that, that I love about living in the bush too, I must admit. Now, Simone, it's International Women's Day this week. Uh, and we're here to talk about your your story. Uh, it happened back in 2012. You uh, are a survivor of uh, domestic violence. In, would you like to to tell us what happened? Yeah, no. Um, yeah, thank you, Gareth. Yes, no. Look, and myself um, at the age of 37, I knew nothing about domestic violence prior, and neither did my three children. Um, and to put you in the background um, of myself, why I was a single mum at 37 was um, their biological father was just, we had too much money too young and he wanted to take me away all the time. Let's go here to Sydney. Let's go, you know, to the horse races. And the poor children always had a nanny. I've got three children and at, at that age, Zach was only two years old when I separated from the biological father. And we, we separated on amical terms. I just said, look, I just want to be a mum. You go and do what you want to do with your life. So Zach got to the age of 10 and I was 37. Ashton was 12 and Gabby, my eldest, was 15. And bringing them up by myself, um, I worked two jobs, uh, relocating um, when I went up to um, to Brisbane and I, I loved it. Loved being a mum, running around after their sporting commitments. And I did the two jobs so obviously, Gabby was a state basketballer. I like to cover all the sporting needs and different things. And um, yeah, being thirty-seven, I thought, oh, maybe I am still young enough to have you know a male partner in my life. And um, so I thought, how am I going to do that? Um, you know, I enjoy having a beer, but I don't go to pubs or clubs or anything like that. The children are with me all the time. And 
I thought, oh, I've got to get onto the dating side, obviously, to meet someone. And I'm not, you know, IT savvy at all. And so I did, I signed up on, um, on a site and I was scrolling through and I didn't really know what I was looking for. But then, um, and sorry to all men out there because you're not all perpetrators, but I've just got to, um, I can't call him anything else, but um, a perpetrator did pop up. And um, and the reason I clicked on this perpetrator was because he had a real estate licence. And I'd been in real estate myself prior to working for the government and I knew you had to have a police check. And not dating anybody since um, the biological father, I thought, perfect, he's got to be okay. He's had a police check. He can't have done anything, anything wrong to get his real estate licence. So I clicked on him and um, we started chatting just via the, the site for about six weeks and it was always at 9 o'clock at night or 9.30 um, because the children came first so they were fed, bathed and whatever and put to bed. Um, so then he said, can we start chatting on the phone? So, yes, we did. We started chatting still at the same time. And then he said, can I meet you in person? And uh, we went on a date and he paid for it, bought me a bunch of flowers that night when he picked me up and I thought, oh, my goodness, I haven't had flowers for years. And that was really nice. He paid for the meal. And um, anyway, from then we started in a relationship. Um, and the relationship only went for six months. These little, well, they were big red flags for me, but they're little red flags when you when you, when I talk about them. Um, you know, you'll probably say, oh, Simone, how can you call that a red flag? But my emphasis on that is a little red flag grows to a big red flag really quickly. So um, over the period of nine months, um, little red flags were growing into the relationship and it, it was, it was sending flowers to work because he, he realised I hadn't had a partner. So it wasn't just flowers, you know, once every couple of weeks, it was every day I was getting flowers. So he was letting my work colleagues know, well, Simone's got a partner now in her life, you know, da 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 So that made me actually feel sick in the tummy. And then poor Zach at the time was 10 and he was getting grounded because he was, I thought it was Zach deleting contacts out of my phone because being a single mum and three kids, you're always on the phone organising lifts and rides and, you know, getting from A to B. So Zach was getting grounded for that. And then poor Zach, he was getting grounded as well for taking money out of my wallet. I said, Mom, mate, mummy can't afford tuck shop, you know, single mum, you know, we've got busy life, da, da, da. And he'd look at me both times and, Mummy, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. And you know when your son's lying or not and, I didn't think he was, but I just had this, you know, feeling in my tummy, well, someone is doing it. And there was one day I was, in the, um, I was getting my nails done um, sitting in the um, salon and I was changing over phones and back then it was a SIM card you had to transfer over into the thing. And he goes, oh, I'll go and do that while you get your nails done. Well, he came back and he said to me, they can't transfer your phone numbers because your SIM card split. And I knew it wasn't that morning. And so he'd obviously split it from the time he left me to going to put it in the phone. So all these little things were adding up to me. And he was even a gentle giant, would open the car door for myself and the children, never said the word S-H-I-T in front of myself or the children. He was just obviously these little red flags that I never took big were, were eating at me in, in the tummy. So anyway, um, I decided I was going to end the relationship. So on the 23rd of September 2012, I rang a friend and because I didn't know how to get out of the relationship once I was in it, you know, not knowing about domestic violence. So I rang this friend and she said, let's do it on Monday when the kids are at school. Do you know what? That was just like, oh, great. I, I, someone else knows what I'm doing, you know, and because my family were obviously back in, um, in the Wimmera and um, it, I felt like I was so safe, not, you know, knowing that was going to happen. And so the weekend went by and um, the I, Monday morning came, so I dropped the kids off, whether they one had to catch a train or walk or whatever, and then I caught the train into the CBD um, of Brisbane. And then on the way there, I thought, mm, okay, now how do I do this? Do I text, email, or do I ring him? So I'll be honest, I did the gutless way and I sent him a text. And um, it was like, oh, thank goodness that's over. Back then you didn't have your phones at work like you do today. And so I didn't check my phone um, all day until I got onto the train that night and I could see that there were lots. I still didn't reply, but the investigators have since told me there were just hundreds of text messages and all very controlling. 
So I actually got home then and it was um, six o'clock. I walked in the door and Zach was actually at basketball training this night and Ashlyn and Gabby were at home and Gabby always started cooking dinner um, for us and, you know, just asked them how their day was. And um, and I said to the girls then, I said, Mummy ended the relationship today. And Gabby did this big fist pump and said, yes, she's the eldest. And Ashlyn said, um, will he come back, Mummy? And I said, no, 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 teaching him life skills. I said, no, 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 darling, you know, when you end something, it normally ends because, you know, what happened with their father, we just went our own ways. Anyway, 606, I look up and because there was a knock at the door and there's a little glass panel that I could look through and it was him and I thought, well, I've got to teach the children life skills and I've always been brought up that you show respect when someone comes to the door so I could not answer the door. And so I opened the door and said, hi, how are you going? And he said, good. He said, can we talk about this? And this was the first time I've actually verbally spoken to him all day since I texted him in the morning. And I said, yeah, okay, yep, no, we can talk about it. And obviously the girls were in the kitchen and he goes, can we go into your bedroom? And I said, yeah, sure. So I walked in first, still in my my work clothes and my high heels, and then he came in second. And being a single mum, I never shut any bedroom doors. Well, the, the girls noticed he'd shut the door, my bedroom door behind him. So I was walking in and he was asking me questions, you know, why can't we make this work? And I was saying, look, I'm a busy mum with three kids. I just, I can't give you 110% of my time. I said, it's not fair. You deserve someone else that can give you the time. I said, let's just be friends and, you know, I'm happy to hang out with you and da-da-da. From then I kept walking along um, the base of my bed and this next section, um, me falling over, the police don't know if he actually pushed me or I chipped on my high heels. But the next minute I look up and um, you'll see a bit of tape on my arm here. I put my arm up to shield myself because a baseball bat was coming down on my face while I was um, on the ground. And I, I knew my arm was broken. I, I didn't feel it because uh, I see it dipping. And I yelled out to the girls because I could hear the girls at the door and said, girls, said, girls come and help mummy. Mummy needs your help. Gabby looked at me as if saying, Mum, you can do anything. You can you can run, you can fix the car, you can fix the house, you know, just what you do in um, when you're a you're single person, doesn't matter whether you're a female or a male. And um, do you know what? I honestly thought I was going to die because I, I tried to push up on that arm, but because it was broken, it fell down. And this big perpetrator was standing in front of me, still with the baseball bat, and said, go and get help, go and get help. So that from 6.06 to 6.16, the girls were running in and out of the house getting help and Gabby did call Triple O and they accidentally hung up on her but retrieved the call. And then um, they could say, telling Gabby's voice that it, it needed action ASAP. And lucky, and this is where it's coming into International Women's Day, that um, I don't care what nationality you are in our, in our world um, because I had Samoans on one side of me and I had South Africans on the, on the other side. If it wasn't for those different nationalities, I wouldn't be here talking to you today. There, there was like a family of four or five in the Samoan. They live in um, one big house, um, Samoans, you know, and two big guys had to come in, put their life at stake. And the um, South African lady, because um, the, the children were saying, mummy's got a broken arm, mummy's got a broken arm, because that's what they seen. She ran in, she's pathology, and she said, get me ice for mummy's arm, get me ice. She came in and she seen me. From 606 to 616, the um, surgeons and doctors have since said, from this side of my face, hence why I look strange, not like a normal woman, I actually endured 45 to 50 blows with the baseball bat. So I've actually lost my my eyesight in this eye. This whole side is now titanium plate. All my jaw was all, all smashed in. I've got an implant here, and obviously you can see all, all the skin grass on my, on my face. So the ambulance did, um, did get there and came in and, the, getting back to the South African lady, she, once she seen me, she actually knew. She goes, no, get me dry towels, get me dry towels. She actually knew to wrap dry towels around my head to keep it together. She said, and she knew if they were wet, that would have instantly killed me because my brain was exposed. And um, I was I was actually conscious. I know I put a little laugh in there because I, I don't remember it, but I, I was actually conscious still at the time because I was talking to her and I said, oh, I've got to get up and cook the kids' tea. I, I haven't finished their tea. She goes, oh, it's okay. We'll get the McDonald's later. And then I was using any excuse to try and get up. And then I said, oh, my nose is running. I need I need to get a, get a tissue. She could not even see my face because it was mush. And she um, she said that she just used the excuse, oh, here's a tissue, and she gave me one. And she said, like, obviously I've spoken to her in depth and she's told me about her statement. She said it wasn't even 
tissue. It was just blood drooling down down my face. So I was all conscious at the time, but I must have been in a lot of pain because um, I've since met the um, paramedic who saved my life and he actually gave me a drug at the scene to, to block all that out. So as I speak to you today, I don't remember any pain. All I remember is, is my arm. So that's where I suppose my story gets even bigger with able to help in research and different things. So um, the children always said to me, um, Mummy, you look dead in the back of the ambulance. And once again, the ambulance officer was able to say they had to actually put me in a juice coma at the scene because with any brain injury, your brain swells. And um, they said it would have blocked my windpipe by the time I got to the hospital. But getting back to the uh, 45 to 50 hits, um, uh, they said if I didn't get so many hits, if I only got five or ten, because it actually shattered my skull, any brain injury, your brain swells, it actually saved my life because my skull was actually moving with my brain. Hence why everyone said when they came in to see me, my head was like a big bowling ball. Um, so, yeah, I got to hospital and obviously to theatre and um, the children actually had to come in and say goodbye to me that night because they said, you know, mummy's not going to make it. Um, and that um, was at 2am on the 26th of um, of September, which actually always brings um, a little tear to my eye. And sorry for dropping my head, but that's actually my um, my daughter's birthday, Ashlyn, um, on the on, on the 26th, so every year mentally it's it's a tough, tough gig uh, for her and for me because she had to go in and say goodbye for me. So um, I'd already had her present and cake and everything and, you know, she waited for me um, to give that to her. So I obviously I fought through and survived that night. Um, so then the next night I had to go back to theatre and they gave me 3 to 4% chance of surviving the next night. But they said if I did, I'd be a vegetable, um, I'd be bedridden, I, I wouldn't be able to get up and walk and, and different things because of the um, damage to my head. And so um, for the first 10 days, um, on the ninth day, I must have not been myself and someone asked me, you're going to be okay, and I must have said no. And they asked the nurses and they said she's obviously got a pain or something will get her under control. So obviously by the time I, I woke up, out of ICU many months later. Um, I've now um, had 52 operations and um, I'm a prisoner in my own body for life. You know, I've had to go through neurological testing and different things and um, I I don't call myself a smart person but um, I'm just so lucky they can't find anything wrong with my brain after, after the injury and the assault. And I suppose this is my realisation getting back to and I emphasise at the start, any little red flag can turn into a big red flag so quickly. And, you know, I fly back to Brisbane now every seven to ten days for treatment and that's um, part of my, my life now. It's um, I never wish this on, on anybody, hence um, my advocacy work that um, I do to help that, that, next, that next woman and even, you know, our children growing up now. But it's, it's not just... Women, um, and sorry for saying that, men, because there are um, same-sex marriages now and um, I hate to say this, but just three weeks ago a male did lose his life in a same-sex marriage. So we're, we're all one and we need to work on domestic violence as a team. That's an incredible story, Simone, absolutely incredible. Um, first of all, those, those little red flags that you saw, you know, in the early days, at the time did you make in your head, did you did you think they were going to turn into such a big thing or were they just little things? you think this is a bit strange? No, no do you know what? Um, I, I never thought it would. When someone sends you, keeps sending you flowers, you think it wouldn't be nasty, you know, that type of thing. No, it, do you know what? It was actually my gut feeling that said I need to get out of this. It was, you know, I, yeah, no, I, did, I didn't think it was strange um, just my gut feeling more than anything. But I, I never thought with him opening up the car doors for myself and the children, I've never had that in my life, you know, um, apart from when I was a, a little whippersnapper. But, yeah, so general giant, you know, not saying SHIT in front of myself or the kids. I had respect, you know, for him in all those different areas. Um, and I just want to throw in there um, while we're, you know, while you ask that question is, um getting back to the real estate licence as well um, and him being in real estate, I knew myself it was hard with three kids. So him being single at his age and 
telling me he hadn't been married and no children was a complete lie. He'd actually been married twice. He'd actually assaulted both of them. And the second one, he actually pushed her parents down the stairs. If that first wife had reported it, and this is my emphasis on reporting, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you because he wouldn't have got his real estate licence. That's the, the protection. Any little loophole, um, we need to protect our next our next generations coming through. And the second one, um, the, obviously these ladies contacted the investigators uh, once his uh, face went around and um, it actually, the second the second wife, it actually took not only just the family but the whole community 12 months to get her out safely. He was just that controlling of her. So, that, you know, that's why we've got to really report, report, report and check in, uh, is everything okay? If someone else sees a little red flag or a gut feeling. So sorry I went off the track there a little bit, but I just wanted to put that in there so we didn't forget it, yeah. No, I think that's really important, Simone, because I did a couple of podcasts uh, during the 16 Days of Activism around family violence, and the level of underreporting is is phenomenal. And you just think you had that person, and I hesitate to call that person a person because no person should do that to anyone else. Had that been reported the first time, not only would that save you, that would have saved the person before you and their family and their community. And uh, No, I think it's an important point that you spoke about with the reporting, definitely. Yes, Um, absolutely. Also... One of, one of my thoughts when you're, you're telling your story is, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a father. I have, I have two young kids. I, I couldn't imagine how traumatic it would have been for your daughters in particular who were there and also probably yeah. for your son who may have even felt a bit of guilt that he wasn't there. Just how traumatic it would have been for them. Can you explain a little bit about, uh, how it affected them? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, Gabby, she refused to have counselling you know I'm, I'm 15 I'm, I'm too cool whereas the little two did have counselling Ashlyn and Zach as I speak to you today they're now 21 and 19 have not had a boyfriend or a girlfriend in their life um, Ashlyn actually makes the comments to me mummy will I ever have a boyfriend and I say to her darling when you're when you're mentally right you will attract the most beautiful person when when you're ready you will and um, as in for Gabby uh, I she was very sad looking for years and years and years because she didn't have counselling. She wouldn't open up, wouldn't talk about it. So I actually started having Reiki, which is a natural therapy, and loved it. And I got um, Gabby and um, Zach and Ashley into it too. And Gabby said, oh, well, I'll give it a go. And the therapist actually told me, she goes, Gabby was like my best friend, not just my daughter. We did everything together. You know, she was, she was at a great age. Um, she actually took blame for what had happened to me. That's what they found out from the Reiki therapist. And she had like breakthrough in terms of Reiki, three brick walls, she said, to get inside of her to find out this information. But Gabby was never nasty to him. She just never gave him the time or space. Like if he said to Ashlyn Zach, let's go get an ice cream, they would go, but Gabby would go, no. She would never she'd never do in any interacting with him. She just had a, a gut feeling as well. So she she never said, you know, would would use any bad language or not not acknowledge him should always say hello and different things but just never um yeah I suppose you know whether it was a little bit of jealousy or whatever but um yeah it was and now it's you know obviously totally different breaking that ice and having the treatment she's she's getting there she still carries it looks like she carries a lot of weight in her shoulders um so Look, it's a lifetime thing for them. It's not just a lifetime thing for me as well. So it does. It's not just the victim that is affected. It's it's a long ripple effect. And I know now with what I with what I do, um, helping that next generation, that I've got support wherever I go around Australia. It's it's absolutely fantastic. And that's why my message is: let's don't be scared to talk about it. So that's my message to my children: let's open up. Let's you know talk about how you're feeling. You might be able to help someone at school that's having the same interaction at home and too scared to talk about it. So, yes, they're, they're still suffering as I as I. They're normal, but not normal mentally. Well, I mean, you wouldn't expect them to be. I mean, there'd have to be something there after seeing something so horrific. Absolutely. Um, because, um, sorry, because yeah. Zach wasn't at home the night. Obviously, the kids coming up to see me in ICU, um, etc. Um, my the Dr. Lynham who actually saved my life in, at hospital mm. operating on me, he um, 
he actually couldn't stop crying because Zach would come up and see me. I'd always ask, you know, where's Zach when I was speaking? Where's Zach? They go, oh, I always made some excuse up. Zach was up there. He was actually in the corridor vomiting and crying, saying that's not my mummy in there. And, you know, because I dropped him off at school that morning and then then to that. So, yeah. Wow. That's that's absolutely harrowing, Simone. That's yeah. oh, incredible. Now, I, I did see, I think I did some research uh, before I, I did this podcast, and you, you have met up with the ambulance officers who basically saved your life. Uh, I also often wonder about the ambulance officers as well um, and how they would recover from seeing a situation like that. Have you spoken with them about that? And and when you met up with them, what, what did you have to, to say to them? Because obviously I'm a, I'm, you would be forever oh, grateful. Absolutely. I, I would speak. I, do you know what? I actually have to speak to Ambulance Queensland and not thinking that the three people that were there and Dr Stephen Rashford, he's, he's one in a million and um, – he only gets called out to the really serious ones in which he did with, with mine. And um, I, I couldn't stop cuddling him and um, I, I I just cuddled him. I said, I don't know what to say. I said, thank you, isn't enough. And he explained, that's where I suppose I've got to know my story more. He was able to tell me a lot, lot of things, you know, about the children and, and different things. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 yes, I am just so ever grateful and he's always going to be in my life. He actually says that he doesn't normally get a chance to meet his clientele and he said you're one in a million because he also went to the Hannah Baxter you know ordeal when she died and her three children and obviously he couldn't save them I, I, I don't know I can't explain how I pulled through it or I the angels are looking after me and I'm just so glad he was at the scene um, and his two colleagues to help me to know to get me through you know to put me in a coma at the scene to get me to hospital just to keep me alive you know it's um yeah I, I i'm speechless though it's just unbelievable sounds like you had a couple of angels living either side of you as well absolutely absolutely and they're just they're the big smiles they're just that once they're just be absolutely beautiful and it's so lovely they they call me sis and um and i'm the auntie that are their kids it's you know they both parties either side like we never had dinner or anything together, but they knew both parties knew I lived there singly. So the guys would always ask me, "Oh, do you want me to carry the the, the groceries in for you? Or do you want me to mow the lawn?" So they were always so ever helpful. And obviously, I said, "Oh no, you're right, mate." You know. And um, same with next door. You know, they were an older couple, but just always checked in. You know, you're okay. You're right. You know. Yeah. And you know, that's my other message is, is do get to know your neighbours because you just don't know when you don't. You you, you know you do need them. In certain circumstances, and Karen, um, the lady that had to hold my my head together, like she put her life on hold, um, even though the perpetrator was um, in custody by then, but she was still in her whites from coming into me. She had no surgical gloves or anything on, and the, the story with her her whites is um, she hasn't washed it. She, it's still hanging in her closet. She cannot get rid of it. And the the big Samoans, when they had to come in and and, um, and get the perpetrator. Um, obviously they walked out with him and they said, Simone, we weren't allowed to do anything to him, but they said we gave him a knee in the back and planted his face into the dirt till the Dibby van came and they, they give a little chuckle. So, look, it's um, it's everyone just such a positive. The positive, obviously, at the scene, I can't remember at the scene, um, you know, once obviously after my arm was broken and, um, yeah, I I just am ever so thankful for everyone that, that stepped in and, I suppose, like the second wife, it's been a community effort to get me here where I am today. I, you know, I'm still living, so yeah. It's a it's a silver lining to a horrendously dark cloud, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and yeah, you know. Now I suppose I think if I I'm, I'm never I I wasn't a speaker, and my my son goes, "Mummy, how do you get up and speak?" I said, "I don't I don't know, mate. We, we're not speakers, are we?" But do you know what? It, it as as with you today, it's just it's from the heart. And, you, you know, I'm not a politician standing up there reading, you know, line by line to you. It's um, exactly how it all prevailed. And obviously what I've learnt, as I said, from um, from the ambulance officers, even my the doctor that saved my life, um, he actually went into politics after myself because he was sick of putting women back together to fight domestic violence in a, in a different field. And I would go and see him and because he kept his doctoring licence, he'd still even try... Up until today, try and get my eye um, working, but 
they've, um, you know, the eye specialist, obviously it's like a needle in a haystack now. There's too many nerve damage and whatnot. So, but, you know, it's just, yeah, the sheer support and that's, I suppose, my message out there still is speak up the supports there. You're not alone. Great message. And we might talk a bit more about your advocacy after we take a really short break, Simone. Community is our middle name podcast is proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health. Grampians Community Health services a wide range of areas across the Grampians Wimmera region of Western Victoria, including the local government areas of the Northern Grampians Shire, Arrow Rural City, Horsham Rural City, Pyrenees Shire, West Wimmera Shire, Hindmarsh Shire, Yarriambiak Shire, Central Goldfield Shire, Southern Grampians, and Bullock Shire Council areas. Services available include alcohol and other drug support. Carer support, community aged care and disability support, including NDIS support coordination and plan management. Counselling across a wide range of areas, including generalist counselling, homelessness support, gamblers help, community mental health support and much, much more. For more information, go to our website, gch.org.au or give us a call Monday to Friday business hours on 53587400 or drop into one of our offices in Ararat, Stall or Horsham. The Community is a Middle Name podcast, proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health for you, your family, and above all else, for our local communities. Welcome back. I'm here with Simone O'Brien, who has told us in the first half of this podcast an incredible story of survival from just an absolutely horrendous assault by a former partner. But Simone, you have turned that negative into a positive. You're doing fantastic advocacy work now in our community. Can you talk a little bit about some of the advocacy work that you are doing currently? Yeah, absolutely. And um, just getting back to the the positive bit, I suppose, and um, not letting it beat me. I was actually asked to run the New York Marathon um, back in 2018 and um, I thought, do you know what, I'm going to um, for Australia just to get the message out there you can go from the brink of death to run the world's biggest marathon. And I had to, I had an operation and I had six months to train for it before my next operation and that's what I dedicated it to was just to change mindsets of people that you can do anything in life if, if you really want to. So I'd, I'd be getting up at, because it was snowing over in New York when I went over there, I had to, in the community, get up at like 1am and run 30k when I got up to that section of my training. So I just want that bit out there is let's don't give up. Yes, I've been through an horrific thing. Now, yes, my life is in a positive, positive and um, I am an advocate and do a lot of work in our community and I actually keep um, whether it's through the schools or even the patchwork group locally that I speak at any money raised I actually keep it locally in our community because there's no housing here for women to escape so at least that there's accommodation that I can pay for or um, if they need food or petrol vouchers to go to a court hearing in Ballarat or different things like that and obviously um, I'm on the Grampians Community Health Board and also our local domestic violence board here that changed from white ribbon to, to that and I, I enjoy that and then obviously in the the wider community um, around Australia rise up they call their patrons patrons not ambassador and that campaign they actually set up houses for women that are, are coming out of a refuge which is absolutely fantastic so the woman and the children walk in and they go this is like a motel and you turn around and say yeah but this is all yours to keep that's from beds sheets you name it, um, toilet paper, toothbrushes. Um, so I love being a part of that. And um, Beyond DV, which is actually helping women, um, I'm ambassador for that, which is actually helping women get back, help them get back into the normal working life, whether it's doing up a resume or, um, you know, rebuilding their self-esteem and getting them that next stage in life to get out once they're in, in a home, um, back out into, into normal life. And then, yet yeah, Red Rose um, Foundation, which are big on strangulation. Um, so I do a lot of speaking for them 
Um, and I was meant to um, be in, a, in an event up in Brisbane next week for them, but because of their restrictions, they've actually moved that event. That was to speak with the governor, actually. So um, I'm looking forward to that in September. Um, and then um, Hairdressers with Hearts, I'm um, actually on their board as well as being an ambassador. And um, they obviously getting into all the hairdressers around our nation to put in programs because a hairdressing salon can be, you know, a space where women go and they just unleash everything. They've got, you know, they could be dropped off at the door. He might say, right, you've got 20 minutes and, and $40 to spend on your hair. You don't know their circumstances when they're coming in. So these programs will help hairdressers be able to get out the red flags and, and help the lady in need. The Australia Says No More is um, another campaign that I'm um, an ambassador for. Plus, as you can see in my background, you can see the Collingwood jerseys um, on their ambassador, um, as well as Carlton and um, the Western Bulldogs. And please don't um, look at it as Collingwood, you know, this bad red flag name. Um, they actually work with St Finney's and they actually have got 58 homes around around Victoria in Melbourne um, that are actually for women to go to, um, to live in, um, to get, you know, once they get sorted and they actually have a, a stall. So I'm so glad that CB's open because... They, these women will go and actually work in the store to rebuild their self-confidence and, and different things like that. So Colin would do a lot of work behind the scenes. Carlton do the Respects Program and um, I actually, the AFLW had their I, their Respect Round just a couple of weeks ago that I was obviously um, a face of. And I, it was a very actually emotional day because it was, um, Icon Park is right next to the park where um, Eurydice Dixon got murdered. And so that day it was walk for respect. So there was myself and obviously a lot of other, you know, a couple of hundred people. We actually walked around the park to show respect for Eurydice. Um, so they do a lot of um, corporates um, and getting into the schools program, which, which is absolutely um, fantastic. And uh, with the Western Bulldogs, I do a bounce back program. Um, we go back around to the big, big corporates, myself, Bob Murphy and um, Jake Edwards and present on, Jake's mental depression, myself, domestic violence, and um, Bob is leadership. So it's, I don't look as a football club now as, you know, a oh, boo Collingwood or whatever. I, I look at them in their respect, what they actually do um, behind the scenes, um, you know, moving forward. I didn't know that about Collingwood having the 50, 58, was it? Yeah, yep. Great houses, yes, yep. That, that's yep. incredible. Why is that stuff not publicised as much? Do you know what? I, I, if I didn't do this work with them, I wouldn't know either. We we hear the bad things about, you know, football clubs or footballers or athletes, but we don't hear about that sort of stuff. And I think that stuff needs to be really celebrated that that these – and in Victoria, a club like Collingwood for a lot of people is a cultural institution. Yeah. Yep. Have 58 houses there for, for women fleeing domestic violence. I yep. think that's really commendable. That's almost Absolutely. makes me like Collingwood. I, I laugh about this, so please don't. If you laugh, it doesn't matter. Um, and that's why I say I'm a I'm a one eyed, toothless Collingwood supporter. Talking to um, you know the clubs, and it, it's great. You know when um, Carlton went and they gave me a jersey and whatnot, and they it was two years ago, and it was coming up to the Carlton Collingwood clash, and they said, "Now we're we're in first. You've got a barrack for Carlton this weekend, so it, it's I very rarely get that. It's it's more about what they want to do behind the scenes, and and that's where I, I'm um, I'm just so honoured to be involved in in the three clubs that you know, and I, and I assume all other clubs too would be doing different things because I know you know your little local clubs as well. Um, out in the regional, I I go and you know do a presentation there, so it's not just our big clubs that are doing domestic violence area work. It, it is all around our, our state and, um, and nation, you know, in Queensland. I do a lot of work up there with the Broncos and different things. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it is fantastic. So, yeah. I just want to touch on the, the hairdressers for, for hearts. It never occurred to me, and, and when you mentioned it and when um, one of my colleagues who I spoke to um, about this uh, as well, who, who put us in touch, uh, mentioned it as well, I never thought of hairdressers as a, place where people do go and open up and hairdressers I guess mm. also are therapists from yes, time to time, absolutely. Aren't they? absolutely and that's why they want to put these um, training modules into them 
and then which will expand um, once we get go through all the hairdressing salons and you've got your beauty salons, your massage, you know, it sort of extends that these are all areas where women go and yet the, you know, the daily rate of people being, women being um, not necessarily attacked like I was, but, you know, the, the cohesive control or the, um, you know, it could be financial abuse or something, you just don't know. And for them to get out of the house for five minutes, it could be like, you know, a relief and you've got to get it off your shoulders. And I suppose me talking about it, I feel like I lose 10 kilos every time because now today I'm putting it on to you and we're going to get it out there. Do you know what I mean? So we can all work as this as a team. That's that's my motto is if we can all do one little bit, we're going to, we're going to you know, clinch closer to, to, you know, solving the issues and, yeah. Simone, have, have you seen from your experience and, and some of your advocacy work a change in attitudes towards family violence in general but violence against women and not necessarily like it? like you said, physical violence, but also that emotional violence, you know, the, the mental violence, the financial violence, the gaslighting, things like that. Have you seen much of a change in societal attitudes? Absolutely. Do you know what? Um, last year I did a Zoom to the John Holland Group in New South Wales and spoke, like obviously it was a Zoom, spoke and um, I always love doing Q&A after it because it it could be, whether it's in schools, corporates or whatever, it could be a red flag that that person is in danger at home. And um, anyway, a man got on and he introduced himself. He goes, I'm the GM um, here at the John Holland Group. And he goes, I'm going to apologise. He goes, this is not what I expected this meeting to be today. He said, but, oh, my God, Simone, he said, thank you so, so much. He goes, now we need to go and change our policies and procedures. He goes, because I didn't even think the workplace was a safe place for many women to go to. And so, and obviously I was speaking about that to him and do you know what, that gave me a really big buzz and sent me goosebumps because I've changed one man's, you know, outlook in life, uh, you know, not knowing that that. So, yes, um, that's probably one up there that I, I'm very proud of. Yeah, yes, I have. So, yeah, they're all, all different areas is um, I can say, yes, it's ticked off or, and, you know, I even, you know, myself pick people up and you know it's that's that's slowly in in my my group is is also being people are picking up people and saying hey no you can't say that or no you know don't give a half an hour don't put a time frame on anything you know not necessarily meaning she's going to the hairdressers but you know if he says oh i'll see you in an hour and someone has to say no let her go you know she doesn't have to be back in now like you know just little things like that so yeah definitely yeah there has and that's what I say in my message at the start. See, at 37, myself and my children didn't know anything about domestic violence, which these days it's good because the younger generation are aware of it now and know that there's support, especially in schools, you know, with services and things. Yeah, and I, I think although we can always do with more discussion on it, I, I think that there probably is a higher level, definitely a higher level than when I was a kid. It was, yes. it was never talked about. It was always stuff that was behind closed doors and you never heard about it. But that's Absolutely. in a way it would be good to not talk about it because that meant that it wasn't happening. But, yes. you know, if it is happening, it's good that we, we can talk about it and, and it's good that there's places people can go and get help or even just go in and get that bit of, you know, like it the, with the hairdressers, talk to someone, yes. get it off their chest. You know, that's that's my opinion anyway. Yeah. Well, I've got um, two schools that I'm doing this month. One is back in uh, Queensland and there's only four or five schools in our nation, but this school actually teach domestic violence as a part of their curriculum. Yeah, really looking forward to that and obviously finding out more in that space and da-da-da, um, you know, with, with how the kids' reaction is different from a normal school, you know, because they're actually having it in what, what they talk about and all that type of stuff. And then the other schools um, is down in Broadmeadows and it's... Um, it's, it's not a school school. It's a school for 15 to 20-year-olds and they might have the attitude, oh, I'm not going to school today, I can't be bothered. But it's their upbringing um, is why their upbringing, you know, it could be drugs, the depression, you know, anxiety, whatever. And um, the co- coordinator just said, Simone, um, done my research on you and I'd love you to come and speak to the kids. I think they're going to get inspired from you. And so I've actually said to the coordinator, I said, look, I'll pre- present to them first up. 
And I said, I'll give you my whole day. I said, even if it's taking one of them for a coffee or just hanging, you know, in a park or something, I'm just happy to, you know, give them some encouragement. And they said, that's what they're missing is adult love. They just want a bit of adult love. Yeah. And she said, we treat them like our own down here. And um, she says, it's sad when they're not coming, but we know their mindsets. And she said, yep, adult love is all they need. And a lot of kids as well would probably feel more comfortable coming up in a one-to-one and having a chat, wouldn't they? Yeah, do you know what? I love young boys coming up and they don't say anything. They just give me a cuddle. It's amazing. And you just think, is that something you know your dad's doing wrong at home? Do you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, so it's, I did a, a school in Echuca just before Christmas and there was like 460 kids in the in the room. And I realised I'd got talking and it was an hour and ten minutes and I actually said to them, I said, oh, my goodness, you guys would be sick of my voice by now. I, you know, I better wind it up for you. But you know what? They were so engaged because normally boys, you see them get agitated, you know, and start, you know, messing around. So that's when I sort of wind it up because I think, well, they've had enough. They're not going to take anything in. But they were just so engaged. It was amazing. Um, And then they asked, you know, the questions went on forever and a day, which was, yeah, great as well. So, yeah, it's good that it is a conversation. Yeah, and especially if it's got young men and boys talking as well and, and just planting the seed in, in their minds to to watch out for red flags as well because you never know it could be happening to to a, a friend or family member and, and they might not be seeing the, the red flags that other people might see. So I think that awareness is, is excellent. I know um, earlier on in the year, must have been early February, I think, and a 16-year-old boy did stab his 15-year-old girlfriend and she did survive. But, um, you know, that's too young, you know. it's Yeah. Yeah, it's scary, isn't it? That controlling behaviour, you know. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, what would you say to anyone listening uh, who they're not sure if they're picking up red flags, or they they might have seen something they think might be a bit off with their partner, or or with you know a friend's partner or a family member's partner? What would advice would you give to those people to try yeah. and help that situation? Please go and speak to someone. It doesn't have to be the police in that situation. Get someone else to help unpack it with you. And if it's happening, that little red flag is happening more than once or twice. I mean, because it's obviously going to grow if it's happening, you know, five or six times, it's going to get bigger. So go and unpack, go and speak to someone. It doesn't have to be a service product. It can be like me, just bring a friend and, and get help that situation. Someone else's outlook on a situation is um, is sometimes all you need before then you can act and um, don't have to go as drastic as leaving the situation then, but getting that help that you need and, uh, and unpack it with them with a the service provider. So please don't be ashamed to, to speak up. Any little red flag is a big red flag. Yep, 100% agree. Always speak up and it'll always be near somewhere that'll that'll hear what you, you have to say. Simone, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. I, I think it's incredible. This person might have thought that, that he'd beaten you down, but you've you've risen up bigger and better than ever and the work you're doing in the community is uh not just around our local community but across across australia essentially is is incredible so um yeah congratulations on the work you're doing it's it's fantastic thank you thank you so much for having me i've enjoyed it Thank you very, very, very much, Simone. That is an amazing story of survival, of courage, of strength, and of positivity. And I hope that everyone listening could pick up the positivity and the strength that Simone has, because speaking to her, it definitely comes across. We, we spoke over Zoom, and I could pick it up just just looking at Simone, telling, telling her story. You can really tell she has such an amazing outlook on life for a person who has had a real brush with death, let's be honest. So thank you again, Simone, for coming on and having a, a chat. Uh, really, really appreciate it. And to find out more about Simone, head to her website, and I'll include a link in the show notes and also put some links to some of the agencies that Simone does some advocacy work with as well. Of course, Grampians Community Health presents the Community is Amateur Name podcast, and you can find out more about us at our website, which is gch.org.au. We support communities right across Western Victoria, from the South Australian border across to the goldfields, up into the Mallee, down to the Southern Gramps. 
we spread ourselves out a fair way and, and we, we love all of our local communities and it's so good to be part of our communities as well. You can give us a call to find out more on 5358-7400 or drop into one of our main offices in Stall, Horsham and Ararat, Monday to Friday, business hours. You can follow us on social media too, facebook.com slash Grampians Community Health is our Facebook page or at GCH Grampians on Twitter and Instagram. That's our handle. So if you're on those, give us a follow, give us a like, and uh, we'd love to interact with you guys. We love interacting with our community. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Podbean, on Stitcher, on iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Audible, basically anywhere you can find podcasts. So subscribe on or follow on your favorite podcasting app and episodes will automatically download. You can go back and listen to every other episode, the other 20 or 21 episodes that we've done. And, uh, you know, if you want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that really helps people find us as well. And let us know what you think of the, the episodes. You know, drop us a line, email us, put something up on our socials if you enjoyed the podcast and enjoy what we've been talking about. This podcast was recorded and produced on the traditional lands of the Jab Warong people and I'd like to pay our respects to all elders past, present and emerging. The intro and outro music was an original composition by Andrew Parsons and we'd like to thank him for that. We use uh, music with his permission. Hope you guys enjoyed this show. What a what an incredible story that was. It was... Um, Heartbreaking for me to listen to when I was speaking to Simone and even going back again and producing it was it was tough to listen and for the way Simone has come through this and the person that she is nowadays I think that shows incredible incredible strength and courage so thank you again Simone for being part of the Community Examiner Name podcast brought to you by Grampians Community Health for you your family and our community my name is Gareth Oliver thank you once again and I'll be back again very shortly with a new episode. So until then, so long.